0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets, and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa.
1: Hello, and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, Before we get into the podcast today, I just want to give everybody a reminder that we held last week the UK Investor Magazine Investment Trusts Conference and the video presentations for those investment trusts are now on the video section for the UK, on the UK Investor Magazine website. So do um, do check those out. There's three uh, investment trusts in there, varying underlying assets and, and well worth reading uh, if only you want to get a good macro outlook from some of the fund managers there. So today's podcast, we're going to be discussing, as usual, a uh, number of key market themes, as well as a number of UK equities. And to do that, kindly we're once more joined by Alan Green. Alan, thanks for being with us today.
0: Hello, John. Good to be back.
1: So, Alan, we're now looking at uh, at, at a market which is becoming increasingly volatile. Uh, it's the same story, though. We've discussed it on the podcast many times this year. It's the prospects of increasing interest rates, not only here in the UK, but in the u s and other major central banks it's raising fears of liquidity in markets uh, raising fears that uh, the era of easy monetary policy is, is coming to an end but we're seeing Alan you know from day to day we're seeing very sharp rallies and then we're seeing very sharp uh, moves to the downsides you know as people are taking different elements. Uh, of the macro pitch, people looking at inflation data, which obviously supports higher interest rates. Then people are looking at the, the sell-offs in markets and thinking, well, maybe if we start to see downside in inequities, uh, the central banks in particular, the Federal Reserve will hold off uh, for fear of disrupting the financial markets. In your view, Alan, would you be a buyer of the dips at the moment, or would you be selling the highs in markets?
0: I'd be a selective buyer of the dips, John. I think there are companies that will benefit from higher interest rates, and certainly the uh, one of the companies we're going to talk about this morning is one such beneficiary. But uh, but I think I, I think we've got a the situation in Ukraine that looks set to be a long drawn out conflict, and um, and of course what what that means is that Russian gas supplies, uh, Russian commodity supplies. In fact, Russian supplies per se are off the table, so we have to find a way to um, to source alternative supplies. And whether the oil comes from Saudi, the oil and gas comes from Saudi or elsewhere, or we we can we can extract more from the North Sea, we we still need to be net importers of of oil and gas. So that's got to be resolved. And I think once um, once <laughs> once there is a sense that um, the world's starting to get on top of those that s- supply switch issue then i think we'll see inflation uh, peak and and start to come down but of course it's driving up the price of everything else we've got food prices through the roof we've got uh, and uh, and of course it's going to make the cost of the living higher so that's going to have a knock on effect into the property market eventually because people think well i can't now afford to buy the house i wanted to buy because the cost of living's gone up um, and also i'll be paying more on my mortgage if i uh, unless i can get a Special fixed rate deal, so there are all those knock-on effects that that run on through. Um, but there are still opportunities out there, and uh, there are opportunities. And I think um, uh, you know there are certain certain fundamentals are unchanged. Um, and I mean, I'm as listeners to this podcast will know I am a commodities fan, and I think there is a very strong case made stronger by Russian commodities being taken off the table for um, the for for commodities supplying the new technology industries in uh, uh, um uh, industries such as the EV industry clean technology um and uh, and of course you know com- uh, some economies are recovering from covid still and um and the spend that wasn't uh, didn't take place during the covid and lockdown is now is now being made and of course that's infrastructure we've got the 1.9 trillion dollar US infrastructure budget announced by Biden that will consume vast quantities of iron, steel and, and, and other other raw commodities. So so there's a, a very strong backdrop there still. Um, and there are selected companies um, that will flourish during high inflation periods. So um, and of course, you know, within that, you've got uh, financials too. let's not forget the big banks are now earning more money on deposit as a result of the higher interest rates. And, uh, and, and that's a factor to consider, too. So savers may well be tempted back to the banks to leave their money with the banks rather than putting it elsewhere because they can, can get a better rate of return.
1: Indeed. You, you mentioned there the cost of uh, living crisis that's ongoing. Alan, do, do you feel that the market isn't really appreciating what this could mean, not only for the UK economy, but the global economy, if this rambles on towards the end of the year? And and, and could this lead to further downside in the markets? Or, or do you feel some of the volatility that we're seeing now is really the, the markets pricing that in, and maybe looking at it, and thinking, "Okay, we're going to have a, a tough period for a few months, but we'll get through it."
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's certainly the case, John. I mean, markets always look six to nine months ahead, so so it's anticipating. I think uh, um, upcoming volatility, but uh, you, you know, once there are signs that we're starting to get on top of the uh, of energy prices um, and m- most importantly energy supply, and of course this applies to countries throughout Europe, um, some of whom are heavily reliant. On Russian oil and gas, um, so this is very much you know. Once there are signs that's in place, then I think uh, we'll start to see inflation cool and uh, and the markets will progress. I mean, the you know there are so many strong fundamentals driving growth that uh, that you know unless unless there is um, a, a real contraction in the markets. And I, I simply can't see that happening. I think there are too many strong factors uh, within that uh, within the markets. Um, I think we're going to see greater volatility. So, if you're a day trader, I think we're going to see uh, day traders uh, in the market now should do very well over the next six months. But um, for investors, be selective. Look at the stocks that are going to benefit from the uh, from the current uh, inflation crisis and energy crisis, and um, and uh, and and you'll be okay.
1: Indeed, indeed. So you mentioned growth there, Alan, in certain sectors, and we're going to discuss now two companies which are producing just that in in growth in, in their top line. Um, so two um, you know, relatively well-known uh, companies we're going to discuss here, real blue-chip companies, the first of which is ITV. Alan, looking at the, the figures this morning and the market reaction, this seems to be, have been taken quite well by the markets.
0: Indeed. I mean, ITV, of course, uh, the... Uh... Uh, long-standing British media company holds uh, regional TV licences across the UK, and it's the the oldest and largest commercial terrestrial TV network um, in the UK. Um, but of course, ITV is is renowned for its production facilities uh, and its studios, and it's evolving into into the uh, into new age technology um, pretty pretty competently. And uh, the company announced a seventy percent increase in revenues for the first quarter. Um, of the current year um, saw so double digit growth across media entertainment and the studio business which is, which is very strong. Um, the, uh, the second quarter advertising spend is expected to fall because of course um, uh, uh, last year's uh, uh, European football championships um, represented the, uh, the, the bulk of revenues from the second quarter last year but it's launching it a free ad-funded streaming service called itvx in the final quarter of the year which the group says is expected to uh, result in at least 750 million of extra revenue by 2026 so so you know itv is has really uh, adapted and and altered its business well uh to suit the digital age um and uh it's it, it's famous for um, some excellent productions of course it's selling Selling some of the big productions uh, all over the world, you know, uh, series like *Downton Abbey* and all the rest of it are uh, have done so well over the years, and they're being sold on. Um, and uh, ITV is making an awful lot of money from this. So, so I think I think so long as it maintains its current um, it, it, its current uh, 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 business plan and and evolves uh, uh, continues to evolve in this way, I think once the digital stream comes on online, as it were, we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see uh, a probably increased growth from from the group in the coming years.
1: So obviously, you mentioned the streaming side of the business there, and it's particularly interesting because you know not too long ago we saw uh, the figures from Netflix and the resultant move in the markets. You know, some sort of thirty percent down uh, after they uh, released their figures. I mean, is there a danger that maybe ITV are a little bit late to the to the streaming game because there's so many. Options out there, of course, you know, there's Disney, there's uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix, of course. They're obviously bringing the Brickbox. They're obviously bringing this into a time where it is a competitive landscape. But at the same time, because they have the strength in their ITV studios um, business, which is obviously providing uh, significant revenue for them and, and, um, you know, a, a, a very welcome increase in that revenue uh in the most recent period do you think that gives their streaming offering a little bit more in the way of cost efficiencies and a little bit more in the way of uh chance of success going forwards
0: absolutely i think you know netflix obviously blazed a trail in this area but um everyone else is getting in on the game too and i think i think you've just summed it up i mean of course we we see uh netflix productions all over the um all over the country some great productions and in fact um uh, I live in Seaford, uh, right next to the uh, Seaford Head, and as I speak, there's a huge production taking place, um, funded by Netflix, on top of Seaford Head, which is uh, which is uh, that there are hundreds of trucks up there, and it's it's a huge production. They must be spending millions and millions on it. But um, ITV's production uh, historically uh, um, has been very well received, has a huge audience. So I think ITV will further erode Netflix's or, or the success of Netflix uh, in this in this country because it's got such a great um, backlog of material and you know some of the world's most innovative uh, uh, serious producers um, uh, around today.
1: Yes yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that side of the business develops as well as um, how the advertising revenue progresses from this point forward because there's some very uh, respectable figures from the advertising business as well. And it's been interesting to see whether that's able to be continued throughout 2022. So, Alan, the next company that we're going to discuss now is definitely one that's seeing the benefits of moving past the the, the pandemic, uh, as well as um, maybe a company that's, that's benefiting from food price inflation, Encompass in Group. Again, a very positive. Reaction in the market this morning. Last time I checked, shares were up over ten percent. What's been driving that move?
0: Uh, yeah, it's had a great morning, John. Um, shares currently up uh, just just under eight percent, giving the company a market cap of thirty two billion. Shares are trading as high as uh, uh, eighteen pounds twenty three on the year, and as low as uh, just under fourteen pounds. So, yeah, it, it's had a very strong morning. And of course, Compass is the eponymous uh, uh, contract food services group. Huge company employing well over half a million people around the world based in the uk and Chertsey, of course um and uh yeah it's benefiting i mean the company said this morning um you know full year uh, so, sorry first half underlying revenues um in at 11.6 million which uh, uh represented an organic increase of just under 38 percent um and up 99 percent on pre-pandemic levels which is astonishing um, operating profit at six seventy three million. Uh, that's um, that's on the back of the high revenue, um, but also on the back of this and the current momentum within the business. Um, despite despite the pressures of inflation, um, the full year guidance has been raised uh, with revenue growth expected to be thirty percent higher on the full year, and of course. Um, this is driven by the rising cost of of food. Uh, means you know businesses are looking at, uh, at what they're doing and uh, d- dis- taking the decision to outsource. And of course, with Compass Compass Group's huge uh, reach and its economies of scale, it's still able to um, operate uh, its outlets uh, extremely, uh, extremely effectively and still generate decent levels of, of, uh, of profitability. So. Um, so, so I think uh, um, going forward, I think the group are very confident in in, in the outlook and uh, operating margins at around seven percent. That's that's uh, you know pretty good for a company of the size. And of course, on the back of this, the shares um, the shares have risen uh, a nine and a half p interim dividend uh, announced with the with the numbers. Um, and also, the group's got uh, going to spend some of its cash pile. On a 500 million share buyback, so of course that's uh, that's going to add further value, taking taking shares out of the market. Um, and yeah, I think uh, it's going to be one of the beneficiaries of high inflation. So certainly, you know, with the outlook that we've got, with the nine month outlook we were talking about just now, I think um, Compass should have a very good summer. And uh, you know, it's 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 probably worth getting in there before the exit update.
1: Yes, I mean obviously that, that dividends very attractive there and you know a very solid set of results. But just looking quickly at the valuation, um, Alan, you know, profit for the the half year, um four hundred and eighty million, uh, if we crudely annualize that, um and maybe look at you know some, some uh, increase in that. If we if we say ballpark figure billion profit, they they have a market cap of, of thirty
0: two billion to thirty billion at the
1: moment. Yeah. So Relatively high uh, price to earnings valuation. I mean, is that something that could come under threat if they start to see, uh, you know, increased food food inflation prices, which which maybe erodes their own margins? Um, obviously, they had the the benefit there of people looking to outsource and and use their their services. And given that, you know, we, we could see a, a bit of a downturn in the economy. I mean, is this one that maybe worth looking at for a bit of a pullback for a bit of a lower valuation than what it's current, currently trading at at the moment? Yeah, I
0: mean, cautious investors may well want to take that approach. And maybe, uh, you know, once the froth has gone out of the news today in the share price, it may come back a bit. Um, but equally, I think the, I, I mentioned the group's economies of scale. You know, when you are a company the size of Chertsey, You've got wonderful economies of scale that you can leverage up, and of course, that will provide, I believe, a cushion for them for the next little while. But of course, if high pr- food prices persist, um, and if there is a downturn in the economy to the point where where we 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 enter um, we enter a recession, um, which you know uh, is a possibility, then of course um, you know, that could change dramatically, and a company. With the sort of leverage that uh, Compass has, could see a sell-off and a retraction very quickly, and uh, that is always the risk. But but I think for now, I think if you look at the backdrop for now, I think the uh, you, you've got a, a similar operating environment, and, and the company has as good as said that by rising or, or raising its uh, guidance for the full year. So I think the company expects uh, what for it are fairly benign operating conditions uh, that will enable it to continue to generate the sort of profit margins it's, it's uh, it generated in the first half of the year. Um, but yeah, that risk is always there. So um, so uh, uh, so investors holding the stock will want to bear that in mind and maybe maybe stick a stop loss in at a level they're comfortable selling out at.
1: Alan, now let's move on to the final stock that we're going to discuss today. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that we were we held last week the investment trust conference um, one of the trusts there my opportunities is what you call a, a trust of trust that looks for undervalued uh, investment trusts in terms of the the, the discount to nav uh, that they're currently trading on in the market and they were outlining you know that their, their strategy of looking uh, for trusts which underlying assets are worth a lot more Than the current share price. And this isn't an investment trust we're going to discuss now. It's an investment company. But it's a similar story here, Alan, because there's a significant discount to what the company is valued at compared to the underlying value of the assets in the market. And that's Vela Technologies. Would you like to go into that a little bit more detail, please?
0: Certainly. Uh, Vela Technologies um, are are, are a a, a London listed company. Um, The the shares are currently trading at 0.29p or 29 pence, giving the company a market cap of 4.6 million, um, down from a a year high of 7.5p. Now, there's the company, as you rightly say, John, is an investment company. Uh, It's invested into 12 companies. Eight are eight investments are in profit, four are in negative territory. Um, but equally, it's invested into eight listed companies and four unlisted companies. And it's the unlisted uh, investments that are actually outperforming at the moment. Um, and uh, but those really aren't being factored factored in. So the company has nine hundred thousand cash on its books uh, at at present as well. Um, go, I'm going to go through each uh, each listed uh, company, um, uh, it, um, uh, listeners will obviously be aware of these. Rural Broadband, the company's investment is showing a small loss there. Canova, of course, the cannabis company, uh, again, there's a, there, there's a loss showing there. Mode, PLC, of course, we've spoken about Mode before, Jonathan, uh, the company's uh, showing a small loss there. Um, and, and then we come to MTI Wireless Technologies. Uh, the company's in profit on that investment. Uh, Cornerstone um, that's uh, also in profit as well. North coders, uh, now North coders um, announced a very strong set of full year results last week um, and it was published across the, the network that we uh, provide for Fela. And yes, and, and that investment is uh, showing, uh, showing a healthy profit. Uh, also, Skillcast PLC, in, it, uh, the company has an investment there, which um, which is just just uh, slightly underwater at the moment. But I think on the share price movement since the since the uh, 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 results were announced yesterday, there is a uh, there, there is a movement higher. And then there's a company on acquis called iGrain. And iGreen, uh, is uh, its arguable value uh, gives the company a healthy, uh, a, a healthy gain on, on its investment. So from an investment, uh, listed investments of 1.7, uh, uh, 1.738 million, the company is now showing a, a gain, an arguable fair value of 2.2 million. So we then come to the unlisted investments, and there are four companies here. WeShop, uh, which is um, which is uh, 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 basically technology, uh, uh, social commerce technology. The company invested four twenty seven there. There's a valuation there currently of six hundred and fifty thousand. Um, then its largest investment into a company called SGS, where it's uh, which is um, a COVID nineteen treatment. Um, uh, Vela invested two point three five million into that. It's currently worth. 2.6 million um, uh, and it's also going to receive eight percent from the future royalties of the sale of that so that could really accelerate revenues going forward. Then there's a company called Tech that uh, um, uh, Velar invested into uh, 350,000 investment there currently worth 437,500 um, and, uh, and uh, the the company really uh, recently uh, raised additional equity at three pounds per share, and the valuation basically reflects the the level at which the the, the money was raised at. And then finally, a company called silica which is um, which is all to do with the uh, ASIC circuit chips. That's applied specific integration circuit, of course, or integrated circuits, of course. Um, the, the one at the IPO level, um, Vela in, uh, invested some 750,000 when the company comes to market based on the IPO price, and Silica will be worth 852,000. So that gives, uh, from investment of 3.87 million, it gives a valuation of four and a half million 4.539 million. Um, total investments uh six were 6,754,000 plus the 900,000 cash gives the uh gives the the, the total asset value at uh, 7.6 million um so you know you take those net assets uh, into account there with the number of shares in issue you've got a valuation of 47 pence a share so as you can see at 29 pence we are a long way short we're about 35% down on that and i know Certainly, with unlisted companies, some of those are marked back. But with the valuations the company has recently published and put out there, um, the th- this company is fundamentally undervalued. Um, certainly, a little bit on the board. Um, the 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 company i run. Uh, there's uh, Nigel Fitzpatrick, the uh, non-exec chairman, uh, better known as Brent Fitzpatrick. Um, he's uh, he's uh, uh, Brent has is a well-known advisor for companies. Uh, company acquisitions, funding, and flotations. Chairman of Global Marine Energy, um, uh, currently of, uh, currently chairman at uh, uh, Able and Clyde Rubber Estates of Salon Limited, um, and also was awarded an MBE in the Queen's Honours Birthday List in two thousand and twelve. James Norman, who's uh, um, executive director, um, worked previously for Three I and has has worked for as an non-exec chairman of all Active asset capital um, and also uh, um, was most recently full-time finance director at Pathfinder Minerals, aims at Pathfinder Minerals um, and is in an unremunerated uh, capacity. He's active in the governance of the Church of England. And then Emma Wilson also dredged on the board. she, um, she is uh, she's uh, in, been important his senior uh, finance positions for, um, for the past 20 or so years um and has her own accounting practice bailey wilson so a, a very strong uh, a very strong board in place there um very shrewd investments being made by the company um and i think investors uh, need to take a good close look at this group go to the website have a look at the companies that the group are invested in and in particular the investment portfolio and asset value which shows this group are fundamentally under- undervalued so pick the stock up now and once the uh, companies like InSilica come to market, and we see further progress with the other three unlisted investments. Um, then, of course, um, I think that will be that will trigger a, a significant re-rating in the share
1: price. So, you mentioned there potential liquidity events in terms of a, a listing for some of the uh, that the private uh, holdings there. And is, is there sort of any indication? Of time scales for for any of these companies, and indeed you know maybe is there sort of interest to it maybe of a trade sale for some of those uh, businesses because of, of course they would, that would be a real catalyst uh, for the share price of Vela if that was to happen
0: well i, I know we shop are um, we shop have been uh, have been sort of uh, building and developing the the, the offering rapidly um, and um, I, I i believe I believe um, that there will be a value event uh, um, upcoming later in the year. Uh, but in silica, of course, I mentioned silica, they're expected to IPO this month. So uh, that is an imminent um, an imminent uh, 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 event that uh, could trigger a re-rating in the valuation. As I say, I mean, the um, uh, Vela invested 750,000 into in silica uh, at IPO price. It'll be worth 852,000. So there's an uplift there straight away. But I think also um, the... If you consider the the listed companies uh, that the company has investments, the villa has investments in, you know they, I don't think it reflects the the, the true value in those either. If you just take um, if you if you take uh, the listed c- valuations at the moment at two thousand two hundred, then you add in the cash the company has that's so that's uh sorry not 2.2 2. 2 million. you then take the nine hundred thousand cash that's three point one million and um that means that uh, at the current rating of four point six million um the those unlisted investments which are valued at four and a half million are are being attributed to a value by the market of just one and a half million, which is nuts. You know, the, the in silica float alone almost takes that into account. So um, so there's an awful lot more value there that simply hasn't been recognized by the market
1: yes indeed i mean I think you know as you've outlined there Alan, there, there's two key points to that first of all diversification uh, with, with the range of investments they, they they have there within the technology sector is particularly attractive and you know as we said at the beginning that underlying, underlying discount uh, as well is something that that really should be be, uh, should be looked at. So uh, as you mentioned, a potential catalyst later on this uh, this month. So uh, maybe one to, to have a look at and keep an eye on around that uh, that event. So just a recap of the stocks that we discussed today. First up was ITB with a ticker of ITB. It was then Compass Group uh, with a ticker of CPG. And just then was Vela Technologies with a ticker of VEL. Hey, Alan! Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So, just as a, a note to listeners, um, you know, long-term listeners of the podcast will be aware that before the pandemic, we were holding a number of investment events, and we've just penciled in uh, the first of those um, after the pandemic's going to be held on the thirtieth of June. So, do check out. The event section of the UK Investor Maga- Magazine in the next couple of weeks because you'll be able to get yourself signed up to that. The investor presentation and a drinks reception afterwards. So uh, look forward to hopefully seeing some of you there. Thank you very much. We hope you
0: enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast, and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player.